Pastor Xavier Reese and recognizing God's leading. Each of us as believers should be looking for those open doors to reach others for Christ. You know, it's nice to say, you know, well, I want to go to Chile. I want to go to China. And I'm, I'm saving my money. I'm getting prepared. But if you're not even bothering to be a light to your next door neighbor, it's kind of hypocritical to want to go across the seas, right? Let's not miss those who are right now receptive and closest to us. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The book of Ecclesiastes reminds us that there is a time for everything. But how are we to know whether or not we've created our lot in life, or it is that God has led us to a particular appointment? Pastor Xavier traces the life of the Apostle Paul for the answer during today's continuation of a Simple Truth study series in the New Testament letter to the Philippians. Let's listen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 18. The message is entitled, My Next Assignment. Paul gives the Philippians a missionary update regarding the gospel by telling them not to misunderstand the ways of God in proclaiming the gospel and offers them three facts about the gospel and his imprisonment to reveal that to them. First, the present assignment was from God, verse 12. Secondly, the proof was in people's response to his imprisonment. Verses 13 and 14. And then thirdly, the personal motives for preaching by men vary. Verse 15 through 18. Let's begin here with the present assignment. Notice first, Paul wanted them to know that the things that had happened to him were allowed by God. And he later on will use the word appointed. It was divine perspective, which focused on God's doing, not human accident. It could be your marriage that is your appointed time right now. It could be your job where you're at. It's not the best. You wish you were somewhere else, but God has you there. It could be difficult people that God has brought into your life. And somehow... If you don't recognize that, then you think that you're being persecuted for your righteousness sake, but God has you there for a divine purpose. It could be closed doors. Yes, closed doors are by God's appointment for our own protection. God says no many, many times to me. Appointed times. One thing is for sure, if you're a Christian and your life is directed by God, your life will not work out the way you planned it, but the way God directs it. Paul tells the Romans in Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purposes. So the present assignment was from God. No accident. Secondly, the proof was in people's response to His imprisonment, verses 13 and 14. Notice first in verse 13, he says, So that it has become evident in the whole palace garden and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. So first of all, the unbeliever was being evangelized. 
they would be changed every six hours and they would be handcuffed to Paul. Therefore, they would hear Paul preach, teach, counsel, give advice for church. And in fact, Paul was not chained to them, but they were chained to Paul by appointment. <laughs> Many of them had come to Christ. He finishes the epistle in chapter 4, verse 22, by saying, All the saints greet you, but especially those who are the Caesar's household. <laughs> How interesting. But notice also that Roman subjects were also hearing that Paul's imprisonment and chains were due to his faith in Christ. The phrase, all the rest, refers to the Jew and Gentile, whether it be within the palace or outside the palace. You see, most prisoners that were brought, they were brought for political treachery, betrayal, opposition, something. This man was in there because of his faith in Christ. It was different. He was a Roman citizen. And the word got around. But notice that Paul never considered himself a prisoner of Rome. How does he call himself? A prisoner of Jesus Christ. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon, 2 Timothy. A prisoner of Jesus Christ. You see, the apostle knew that even though he was bound or chained, that the word of God was not bound or chained in 2 Timothy 2.9. It was from the very prison that he sent out and wrote Ephesians. Colossians, Philippians, Philemon, known as the prison epistles. And then his ultimate last will and testament, 2 Timothy, before he was beheaded. God used him continually. He's not at the Marriott or at the Hilton. He's in a Roman prison, damp, dirty, rat infested. What does he say over and over again? Joy and rejoice. <laughs> Amazing. Why? Because he knew he was there by appointment. Made all the difference in the world. Notice secondly in verse 14. The believer was being encouraged. This is God's incredible sovereign wisdom. He says that most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So the apostle declares that most, not all of the brethren, were becoming confident in the Lord by Paul's chains. Again, he calls them brethren. These aren't Judaizers. These are Christians. Okay? Keep that in mind because in view of what he's going to say. Paul's attitude and boldness became contagious with those who had withdrawn by fear. You remember what he wrote to the, to the Roman church? He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, according to Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. Here he is at Rome. Some were cowering. Some were kind of creeping back. And all of us have that tendency in our human frailty when we're among Christians. Hey, praise God, brother. Hey, the Lord's coming. And then we get a bunch of non-believers. Now, that doesn't mean you have to make a spectacle of yourself, but there is that human tendency at times, isn't it? That's the reality. The word confidence is the same one as in verse 6 of this first chapter, which means to persuade or assure. They were being assured and persuaded of that which they had embraced by the very things that were happening 
in Paul and through Paul. The Lord became their confidence, not Paul. He was just the instrument to encourage them to trust God for the witness of the gospel. You are a witness. You are a vessel. And you never know what you will do in the life of others as you yield to the will of God. You and I will be responsible for the life of so many in Christ, for the good of their life, and we'll never even know it on this side of heaven. Thank God for that. <laughs> Notice the brethren became much more bold to speak the word without fear. They were trusting Christ to be bold, which means to venture to be courageous. As God uses you, others will look to your life and they will be encouraged in the potential of Christ. If God can use him or her, if God can do that for them, he can do it for me. And they will trust Christ because of your trusting Christ in your situation. God has worked it out that way. The implication being that they had become complacent and perhaps even ashamed of the gospel. The result of Paul's witness had made them speak very courageously without fear about their faith to others. The reverse happened. It has been said that the seed of the church is the blood of the saints. The only time the church has ever been hurt is when there has been a complacency. When there has been a marriage with the world. Persecution has never caused the church to lessen. It's always caused it to grow. Modern day example, look at China. Through Mao's reign. Tribulation and persecution always purifies the church. And it makes it grow. They were recognizing that they were also heralds, see, of the gospel. And that's good. Because you get your eyes off others and you say, well, if he can use him, he can use me. And all of a sudden you realize that you're as much a herald as the one that God is using in the Praetorium Guard. And all of a sudden, you seek the Lord for, Lord, how would you use me? What would you have your servant to do? And you become that herald, that Caruso, who proclaims the decrees of the kingdom. Remember, that word was used for those who were hired by kings to make all public proclamations. Their message was not theirs. It was given to them. The authority was not there. It was vested to them. All the responsibility was to proclaim it. They were not responsible for the response. I proclaim, I expect a response, and I know there will be a response whether I see it or not, but I'm not responsible for the response that you make after you hear the gospel. It's in God's hands, because He's the one that's doing the work. Each of us as believers should be looking for those open doors to reach others for Christ. But let's not pass up those who are so close or the closest to us, even as the soldiers who are close to Paul. Paul didn't pass them up. Our moms, our dads, our brothers and sisters, our friends, our co-workers. You know, it's nice to say, you know, well, I want to go to Chile. I want to go to Colombia. I want to go to China. And I'm, I'm saving my money. I'm getting prepared. But if you're not even bothering to be a light to your next door neighbor, it's kind of hypocritical to want to go across the seas, right? 
Let's not miss those who are right now receptive and closest to us. That's important. We are ambassadors of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20, all of us. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We are to give a defense to every person who asks us for the reason of the hope that lies in us with meekness and fear, 1 Peter 3.15 say. That's why we gather. That's why we study. That's why we meditate. That's why we open ourselves up to see what God would want to do. We need to see ourselves as a source of encouragement to others in the body of Christ, as examples of the believer. You remember what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 12? Let me give you some things to put under this point. We are to be examples of the believer in word. What we say and how we say it. Secondly, we are to be examples of the believer in conduct. How we live and what we do. Third, we are to be examples of the believer in love. The motive for the things I say and the things that I do. Fourthly, we are to be examples in spirit. That we are different from those who know not Christ. The Spirit of God resides in us and we are walking in the Spirit. Fifth, we are to be examples in faith. That all we do is according to the Scriptures in our life and practice. We want to be as close as we can to the scriptural principles. And six, we are to be examples in purity. That we not practice sin any longer catering to our flesh as we used to. The proof was in people's response to his imprisonment. Third and last, notice in verses 15 through 18. He says, The personal motives for preaching by men vary. This is a mind blower. Notice first in verse 15, the first portion, and all of verse 16. Some preach Christ out of wrong motives. Now, twice he called them brethren. These are Christians. All right? They preach out of envy and strife, beginning in verse 15. Some perhaps were envious of Paul of how God was using him, or that God was even continuing to use him. They were hoping he was going to get it, and they, oh, I can't believe he's still using them. Are you like that? Listen, God used Balaam's jackass. You know why? Because the prophet was more unclean than the jackass. And the jackass is an unclean animal, and the law says if you don't redeem him, because the firstborn of male and beast are mine. I, I delivered him in Egypt. So the firstborn are mine. But when you come to the jackass, he says, now, if you don't want to redeem him, break his neck. How interesting that God used Balaam's jackass. Evidence that that unclean animal was more yielding to his creator than the defiled prophet through greed. But yet God used Balaam. Now the donkey didn't say, I can't believe God. Why would you use him? <laughs> God may be using some people who you know are a bunch of dogs in Christ. Leave them alone. God will deal with them. God will take care of them. And as a pastor, I've seen this through the years. It's, it's kind of a sad commentary upon the people of God. They're envious. They're, they're striving. Notice verse 16, the first portion. They were out for self and preached from self and for self-ambition. 
It was personal benefit. There are a lot of people who serve Christ like that in, in Christ. That's just facts. That's the reality. Now, I don't know it all the time because I can't read the heart. But I know it's there because we're people. Now, notice verse 16, the second portion. They were outright hypocrites. Why? Not sincerely. Having ulterior motives. Appearing to be something they really were not. That's always a danger with any of us, right? We have to be careful. Also notice, they were out to hurt Paul, supposing to add afflictions to his chains. The last part of verse 16. All these depict character of the works of what? The flesh. Galatians 5, 19-21. There are a lot of people who are in ministry doing it in the energies of the flesh. And they're good camellias. I have to check my flesh always. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I a team worker or do I think that it all belongs to me? I have to be careful. Notice secondly, the latter portion of verse 15 and all of 17. Some preach Christ out of right motive. So we got the negative. Here's the positive. He's talking about Christians. That's the context. These were one with Paul. From good will, indicating intent and pleasure for the gospel of the kingdom. People that just want to serve. They're not concerned. They just want to see God work. They want to see people come to Christ. They want to see what else God has. And they just move on. They don't keep a ledger. They don't keep an account. They don't keep a resume to send everywhere else. <laughs> they just move through life. Notice verse 17. They were full of God's love. Agape. It's the only motive that God honors. And then in verse 17. They were aware that Paul was there by God's calling to defend and preach the gospel. The word appointment. Or appointed means to lay, to set, or to place. The word is used for Christ, the Christ child that was laid in the major in Luke 2.12. The word is used for the afflictions that we the believers are appointed to in 1 Thessalonians 3.3. 3. He gives evidence of persecution through this epistle. All the way through. And our Christ is sufficient. Notice third and last here in verse 18. We have some personal comments by Paul. He says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. All that mattered to Paul was that Christ was preached, whether in pretense or in truth. That's good. Nothing short of that. Amazing. Paul is not angry. He's not bitter. Why? He knows God's in control. Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. 1 Corinthians 5 on down to 19. Paul says, hey, the household of Caesar greets you. <laughs> Every person will be judged according to their motives. Not what they do or how they do it, but... How they benefit anybody. But why and how? The motive of the heart. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. The motive of the heart. God only accepts agape love. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. It'll be tried by fire. It'll be wood, hay, stubble, crispy critter. Or silver, gold, and precious stone. Turn into permanency. One of the two. Why do I do what I do? Why do I witness? Why do I serve? Why do I, I, I pray? Why do I, do I get up here? How do I do it? Who is it that I'm a servant to? 
only the lovely and the lovable. Every one of us needs to examine our hearts before God, always. Though we should not trust it as a final judgment, Paul tells us to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. Why are you judging me? I don't even judge myself. And when I do judge myself, I don't rest in that judgment because I can be wrong. So David says, Lord, search my heart. Know if there's any wicked way within me. So I look at my heart and I look and I say, Lord, I, I, I really think I'm, I'm innocent in this thing. You know, but again, if there's something there, Lord, show me. I'm open. And I'm certainly imperfect. So I want to be open to God. Right motives will result in peace and joy, contentment, and the benefit to others. Christ is the example. Chapter 2, verse 3. He's our example. Ministry party cliques, which bring about envy and striving and divisions as carnality. Paul tells that the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. They divide, they strive, they're envious. And why? If God has called you to a certain ministry, no one can take you from that ministry. Be faithful steward of it. But understand that your ministry is there as unto the Lord, and you're really to work yourself out of a ministry. We get so territorial. We've been here for four or five years, and we've got the children's ministry, and we're doing the little thing, and all of a sudden, God brings in a person who's really anointed, really talented, God's given him a gift, and God wants to use them. And we go, hey, what are you doing here? I've been here. This is mine. Listen, no one, no one can take my ministry. God will advance you. Hold it loose. Serve the Lord faithfully. Impart it to others. Ministry territorialism is a poison to the ministry and the work of Christ. You see, the personal motives for preaching by men vary in Christ. So, we have to be practical, don't we? We don't just walk by and excuse everything. We deal with it. If you act a certain way or say certain things and they're not scriptural, then I confront you because I can judge your words and your deeds. And you may be doing something and saying something that's wrong with the right attitude, but we have to correct the actions. You may be saying something that's wrong and doing something that's wrong scripturally, but your attitude is right. And so we deal with you and understand that, and you grow and you advance. But I can't judge your heart, but I can judge your words and your actions. And I need to do that for the sake of Christ and the body of Christ. God alone knows your heart and mine. No one else does. I don't even know my heart sometimes. And neither do you. And I'm sure that I'm doing it for the right reason. Then God nails me and I go, He gets me. That's good. Paul's missionary update regarding the gospel is very, very clear here. The present assignment was from God. The proof was in people's response to his imprisonment. And the motives for preaching by men varied. Do you think it's any different for us today? I don't think so. Are you where you are by appointment? Are people responding? And what is your motive? That's important. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, using the example of the imprisoned Apostle Paul to impress the importance of spreading the gospel right where God has placed you. Now, today's message is available, as always, on CD for only $4. The title to request is my next assignment. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier taught the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is My Next Assignment, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful as we monitor the impact of this outreach in your area. How do you know God is working in your life? Find out next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 